Hi, my name is Alex Keon, and thank you for tuning in to Mentor Moments. I've personally been fortunate to have a great mentor in my life who has literally changed the trajectory of my career. However, I know that not every young person will have that same opportunity or experience. That's why I've created this podcast to give you rare access to executives and leaders who will share insightful advice to help you on your personal and professional growth journeys. This episode was sponsored by JSX, a hop-on jet service offering short-haul flights between Arizona, California, Nevada, Washington, and Texas. JSX has been a longtime sponsor of our nonprofit, and we are so grateful to have their support. To learn more about JSX, please visit jsx.com. So joining us today is Mandy Price. She is the co-founder and CEO of Canaries, a technology platform that helps companies and their employees collaborate to create more diverse and inclusive workplaces. Prior to starting Canaries, Ms. Price was a corporate attorney and earned her law degree from the Harvard Law School. Ms. Price, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Alex. Of course. And we always like to start off our interviews by letting the listeners get to know you a little bit better. So what did you want to be when you were growing up? So like most people, my kind of attitude of what I wanted to be changed. You know, I think when I was really little, I wanted to be a a doctor because people aren't really familiar with a lot of career fields and quickly realized I didn't want to do that. And later decided that I wanted to go into business and then law. And so um, I think for the majority of my career, I, I aspired to be a lawyer because I felt that that was the way that I could impact the most change. And I viewed lawyers as change makers and advocates. And so, you know, a little bit about myself, I actually spent 12 years as a lawyer. And so, you know, really, really excited about being able to fulfill kind of my childhood dream of being a lawyer. But it wasn't until later in my life that I realized that I could affect change through other ways, that law wasn't the only way to really bring about that societal change and that advocacy. So at what point did you realize you wanted to be an entrepreneur? So I never planned to be an entrepreneur. I think like most entrepreneurs, it wasn't until I had certain experiences that I realized that there was a problem that I could potentially fix. So as a Black woman in the workplace, I experienced many inequities. And not only do I experience those inequities, but also being in the leadership of my law firm, I was on our firm's diversity committee and hiring committee and was part of the women's task force. So saw that the way we were approaching diversity, equity, inclusion issues just didn't make sense to me. I felt that although the firm was very well-intentioned, that the initiatives didn't really get to the root of the issue. Like most organizations, a lot of our DNI efforts were performative in nature. By that, I mean, we would celebrate Black History Month and Pride Month and things like that, but we weren't doing anything to really address the known problems that we had as far as losing women disproportionately within the workforce, losing people of color. And so I felt that just the way we approached every other business imperative, as far as using data and metrics and KPIs, we needed to do that same with diversity inclusion. And so that really was the impetus and the reason why I entered into entrepreneurship to bring that data-driven perspective into diversity, equity, inclusion as well. I know that data-driven approach is at the core of what Canaries does, but can you just put in your own words some more information about your company for our listeners? Yeah. So what we do at Canaries is we help employees and employers collaborate on diversity, equity, inclusion. 
Um, a lot of DEI initiatives are driven, uh, like I said, based off of celebrations and wanting to help create that sense of belonging, which is vital, but they really don't uh, drive in or reflect the day-to-day -day lived experiences of employees. And so what we do on the Canaries platform is provide a safe feedback mechanism so that employees can actually leave feedback to their employer and not have any fear of retaliation or retribution so they know they don't have any negative career ramifications. And the employees are able to have not only the data and the feedback from their employees, but we track over 130 objective diversity, equity, inclusion data points so that they can drive this strategy like they drive any other strategy. One of the things that we really pride ourselves on at Canaries is providing transparency and accountability to the general public on diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Because we're all things DI data, uh, what we do is if you go to canaries.com, you can go, you can look at it in company, you can see all the data that we're tracking as far as the diversity of that workforce. Do they provide things like gender transition insurance? Are they recruiting at Hispanic serving institutions or HBCUs? And you can also look and see the experiences that other underrepresented employees have had at that workplace. So uh, we think it's really, really important to have that transparency and to have people have a better sense of what is a workplace really like. That's wonderful. And on that point, what are some tips you can share with the young people for trying to really understand how a workplace values diversity and inclusion? So one of the things, obviously, they can go to the platform and go to the Canaries platform and see that for themselves and see how companies are scored based on our algorithm. But they can also look to see how this company handled the recent resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, did they make a statement? Did they make any donations? Did they offer mental health services to their employees during the pandemic? I think these are all telltale signs that you can look to see what is this work environment like and how do they treat their employees? I think it's also important to ask these questions when you're doing interviews. Knowing how they handled these important moments in their company will paint a picture of how not only anti-racist the organization is, but how they're likely to respond in the future to other uh, kind of crises. I also think it's important that employees ask employers about their policies, their benefits, and their procedures. Do they have equitable benefits for every employee? What does their sick leave policies look like? How are employees expected to handle workplace conflicts? These are all important questions that can help determine if a workplace is truly diverse, equitable, and inclusive. That is some wonderful advice. And if young people are asking those questions and they find answers that they're maybe not satisfied with, what are some ways that they can make their workplace more inclusive, whether that's driving change or just individually making it more inclusive? So one of the things that I think is important is that although we want to use our voices, because I think the, the power of our collective voices is extremely strong. And the reason why we've seen companies respond to the way they have you know, given that kind of recent resurgence at the death of Mr. Floyd is because people use their voices. So I don't want to minimize that. And I think it's important for people to continue to speak out on these issues. But it's not an employee's job to create an equitable work environment. That's the job of their company and of the leadership. And so I think, you know, when we see companies kind of tapping employees within the organization that may not have experience in these issues, that you speak out and say, I'm not trained in diversity, equity, inclusion. That's not my job. I'm happy to participate if you're willing to do that. 
But uh, what we've seen is a lot of companies put forth task force where they're not relying on the expertise of people trained in this field. And, you know, uh, if there's accounting issue coming up or a financial crisis with an organization, they wouldn't tap employees and say, help us figure that out. They would go to an outside CPA and accounting firm. And that's the same that should be happening with diversity, equity, inclusion. But knowing um, that employees do want to become more aware and gain better kind of insights on what they can do to be better allies, we have all kinds of resources on our website as well. If you go to resources.canaries.com, we have all kinds of tips on what you can do to be an ally. Things like adding pronouns to your email, how to speak out against certain microaggressions. And then we also have a variety of resources that you can read. I think one of the things that's so hard is some people are not aware of these issues because the way our education system works and our overall reluctance to talk about these issues has created a a system where some people are not aware. So I encourage everyone to uh, seek out books and podcasts and movies and things like that that go into depth in these subjects. On our platform, we have a list that really details different resources that you can read to get educated on these topics so that you are aware of the history, understand kind of how structurally these systems were created and why we are kind of seeing the inequities we see not only in the workplace, but within every facet of our society, including education and healthcare. And so um, that's we have many resources there where people can go and, and learn more. I'm glad you touched on this point of awareness because I know for me personally, you know, I consider myself maybe a little bit more socially conscious than the average person. But in 2020, it's shocked me just how much I've learned about different issues and whatnot. And I recently read a wonderful article you wrote about havers and doers. And what really struck me about that is how different career opportunities offered to minorities. Even that has many consequences that people are probably not aware of. So... What advice would you maybe give young people who are wanting to get out of their bubble and maybe just get some more of these perspectives that they never knew existed or had access to? I think, you know, you should look at different news sources, but I think we have to be aware of some of, like you said, the bubbles that some of our even news sources present to us. So I think it's very important to look at a variety of news sources and stay up to date on the news, both on a local, national, global level. You know, I've always had an interest in these subjects, and so I've I've sought out books to learn more. One of the books that I would encourage people to look at is Lies My Teacher Told Me. It goes through a great analysis of history and how we're really not taught history. I think what we have seen and what we have a great awareness of is that sometimes we only want to paint a rosy picture of ourselves. And there's nothing wrong. And that's one of the most encouraging things that we've seen with the pandemic and what's coming out of kind of the renewed focus on racial justice is that companies are actually saying we can do better. And I think as a country, what we've seen people say as as well as we can do better. And I think for so long, we've been hesitant to teach anything that didn't make us look perfect. And um, in order for us to know how we can improve, we have to understand the foundational structures of some of the inequities and how they were put in place. And so that's one of the books that I've read that has been outstanding and really teaching the history of our country and how some of these inequities really came to place. I would say another book that I would encourage is a book called Stamped from the Beginning. So a lot of people have started to read the fellow book that that he's written, How to Be an Anti-Racist, but Stamped from the Beginning is also an excellent source that I would encourage everyone to look at as well. 
Now, I do want to switch gears and just ask you, from your perspective as an executive, what are some essential skills you think every young person should be learning right now? So when I think of some of the essential skills, I think that it's important for everyone to learn how to communicate effectively. No matter if you're in person or remote, communication is one of the key aspects and facets of life from personal relationships to the workplace. So I think everyone should learn how to communicate and really understand, I think, uh, how to forge those relationships with, with folks in a key and meaningful way as well. And so by that, I'm talking about networking. I think as an entrepreneur, it's important to meet as many people as you can to make sure you make a, a great lasting impression because when you're starting and putting together a business, you'll need to rely on all those connections, not only from a funding standpoint, but helping to pull together your board or recruit key employees, or also making those connections with those first customers. One of the other things that I'd like to highlight that I think is so important is empathy. I think that it's so important to be able to be empathetic to one another, to understand that we are all interconnected and that we should care about issues and about circumstances, whether they affect us or not, especially when it comes to justice and ensuring that everyone's treated fairly. So uh, that would be the, the third thing that I would list there as well as empathy. And so as a mom of two, it's one of the things that I'm really, really keen on is making sure that my kids are empathetic. I think that's something that many people don't describe as a skill, but you're right, it is so important. Do you have any advice for how people can maybe work on their empathy? There's actually lots of books. So um, I know I've been naming lots of books, but there's books for everything and I love to read. <laughs> there's, there's lots of books and I've been reading lots of books of, you know, on how to teach children empathy. And so I would just encourage people to seek those out because those interpersonal skills and I think empathy is one of the, the key of those. And so I think, you know, as we think of the future of work and automation and how that's going to come more and more into our lives, one of the things that cannot be automated is that empathy and that ability to connect with each other. And empathy is such a key component of that. And so I would encourage people to make sure that they are learning those, those interpersonal skills and especially empathy. I appreciate that wisdom. And now I want to talk about 2020 as a whole. I know we've touched on it a little bit, but obviously this has been just a year of challenges for everyone, whether you're dealing with the pandemic or personal matters that may be in your life. I want to know, what are some ways that you take on adversity whenever you're faced with it? So adversity is something that all of us face, right? And I think that one of the key things is, especially with the pandemic and leading a team, one of the things that I have tried to instill is ensuring that it's okay to say that I'm not okay, that there's no kind of pride in having a superwoman or superman mentality, that mental health and well-being is one of the key important things that we all need to be looking out for and ensuring that we are supporting each other. But when I think of adversity, I think of staying the course and ensuring that I kind of moving forward with that grit. So I know those may seem a little bit not necessarily congruent with each other, but I really much think they are. I think it's a matter of giving yourself grace and saying, I don't have to be perfect, but I'm going to continue on. I'm going to work through this because I know that if I don't give up, and I continue fighting and pressing forward that uh, the rainbow is going to come out of that storm. 
And finally, in this time where we may be more physically separated than ever, it may be hard to make some of those connections. But what are some ways that young people can find mentors or just people to learn from during this time? I would encourage everyone to seek out groups. There's a lot of groups online, a lot of different meetups where you can meet people that are interested in entrepreneurship. Um, they are interested in whatever field you're interested in. And so I recommend tapping into those groups. And I think you'd be surprised on how willing people are to meet you if you say, hey, I'd love to pick your brain for 5, 10, 15 minutes and ask you a couple questions. I am impressed by your career. I'd love to ask you some questions and learn from you. I know so many people that have reached out to me that I have responded to and had those quick calls. And I know so many others that are in a variety of different professions that do the same. So not only through those formal groups, but just sending people uh, notes via your their social media handles as well. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Ms. Price. Really appreciate it. And thank you for showing that commitment to being willing to help others by joining me today. Of course. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Mentor Moments. And I hope you'll join us on the next episode to continue your growth journey. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram at My Mentor Moments.